I feel like when people make the argument about free speech, they they focus on the person being able to say whatever they want without consequence. And no time in history has that ever been a thing. In fact, this is probably the best time to be able to do that. Before you, you know, you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you, you're meeting at high noon for a duel, man, and <laughs> that's how it how it goes. But but we want the ability to say whatever we want. Uh, most people want the ability to say whatever they want without without a consequence. Okay, so I, I guess we should start proper with with real kind of questions. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Let's, let's go at it, man. This is the, you know the, the interesting talk, no matter what, man. It is, yeah. Well, I've just been listening to the Jordan Harbinger episode. Do you remember that from twenty eighteen? Yeah, yeah. Jordan, he still writes me about that and says it's one of the most listened to episodes. And I was, I'm, I'm floored, man. You know, very, very flattered that he took the. Um, I always say it's taking a chance on me. I, at this point, I don't quite feel that way. But uh, when he interviewed me, that would have been back in um, I know where I was living. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eight. The beginning. Of the year. In fact, I know exactly. This is funny. Funny story about this. I've I've probably done easily over a hundred and thirty podcasts of different levels. Easily, I did his on my birthday. Okay. And my birthday, this is relevant. I don't know how the weather patterns are over in, in the UK, but we get a lot of thunderstorms in the United States, period. Not usually in the winter, at least where I live. We got a severe thunderstorm on my birthday, and in the middle of the podcast, the power dropped. And when, when we, like, had to start. But fortunately, they came back, and we were able to get back to it. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a, it's a really interesting, uh, fun time. But now I had a good time with that with that interview. It, it's it's a great interview, and I think it's, a, it's like your entire history. That says everything about your entire history on that, on that podcast. I already knew a lot of it because I've been following you on Twitter for years. That's where... Oh, awesome, man. That's where I, I first... I ask how you found me. I'm always <laughs> curious about that. Yeah, it, it it was Twitter, and I, I remember I remember when you when did you kind of start to get serious with Twitter? What year was it? Because I'm pretty sure Ooh, I started. That have been you right when I got back from basic training. So and I started. So like 2014. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So I'm maybe started following you 2015 or 2016 or something like that. And okay. The, and then there was there was this guy on on Twitter called Ed Latimer. Who was just a guy, and that's what that's what first of all I found quite shocking that you wasn't a famous person, but you were writing really amazing tweets and actually philosophical tweets, really good content, actually stuff I wanted to read, surrounded by a load of nonsense, which which was at the time, and you really stuck out back then because of that. Well, thanks, um, and, and you know. What what happens a lot, what I found, you know, I call Twitter the, the writer's platform. It's for writers. If you can write, that's what you do. You write. And writing, first of all, Twitter, a few things have made me a really good writer over the years. Twitter is one of them. And what I found while there's so much nonsense is that you get a lot of people who 
have the the technical chops. They know how to put the words down, right? And and put them together in a way that, that is functionally accurate. Like they're not using the wrong word. Okay. So that's the one thing you got to do. And then you also got to be able to have a little style the way you write it, make it engaging. But the last and the most important thing is you got to have, you got to have experience. You got to have a mind for kind of deconstructing that experience and putting it back out there for people to get something from you. You really have to have a way of looking at the world to where you're, you're simultaneously diagnosing and learning from it and then put that into the written word. And I think uh, what I, well, what I try to do is all three and I'm not just writing on Twitter. You know, I got, I got a blog. The blog now has got some 120 some posts and that's just going to continue to grow. I've got the newsletter, got the membership, you know, I'm always trying to write and create. Why? You know, and, and, and I think it comes through in Twitter because that's another medium for writing and creating. What made you start with Twitter? Because I remember around <laughs> the time, it wasn't it wasn't this place, at least for me, there wasn't many people around doing the kind of thing that you did. You were one of the first, as far as I was aware, to start doing this kind of writing aphorisms, really, on, on Twitter. I didn't even know the word aphorism existed at the time, but that's really what you were doing, and I didn't see many other people doing it. So why? Uh, you know, I had watched... So, so the, the general why, right? I'll go with the general and specific. If, you know, generally speaking, uh, I looked at Twitter and I understood abstractly at least what it what was possible with this thing because unlike Facebook, which was the Instagram wasn't really a thing yet. Unlike Facebook, uh, Twitter allowed you to reach out to people you didn't know yet. And because of the way you propagate content, then they can see your ideas. And if they resonate with your ideas, then they can follow you and they can support you and that you can drive that traffic, that attention to a blog, to a product, whatever. I didn't know quite what I would do, but I knew that that was a, a tool. Specifically, there's a guy in my area who, who I guess, you know, friend is probably the best word I have to describe him. Well, well, acquaintance, acquaintance is a better word. I'm aware of him. And I saw that he was using uh, Twitter and, and I'm looking at what he's doing and I'm like, okay, this actually is not a bad idea, but I could just be so much better than you. And that was my thought process. <laughs> and I actually hired the guy first. I hired him to kind of run my Twitter thing and it was something you could do passively when I first thought I was going to get on. Uh, it doesn't work that way. I learned that real quickly, at least not for the amount of money I was willing to spend. Fortunately, I just, you know, got on and did the right and did it myself. But seeing someone do it who I knew I was overall better writer and content creator or whatever you want to put it. And, you know, even seeing what he was able to do with it. And I don't think he capitalized on it whatsoever. Uh, I said, all right, this is a tool. This is a place to be. And, and really Twitter has, uh, if, if I could remove one block of my empire and it would crumble, it would be Twitter like that. You know, I'm trying to become an Israel move toward the future, as they say, platform agnostic, right, to where I'm not just relying on Twitter 
to drive people in it. And then, you know, and, and we're kind of there. The website does traffic. The Instagram is, is growing, not at the pace of Twitter, but it's growing. And, and I'm going to like, you know, now dive into YouTube because I think a lot of what I say is useful to hear. It's just, well, if some people are not interested in reading. So when, when did you realize that on Twitter? You were writing good stuff on Twitter. When was when did you kind of start to see the tipping point? When did you think, oh, maybe this could turn into something else? Maybe I could make a career out of this. Maybe I could find the illustrious online game and start making some money <laughs> online. Well, you know, like, it's very similar to the mentality that I had when I started boxing. And when I first started boxing, I didn't, I didn't go into the gym thinking I'm going to become champ. I didn't even think I'd have a decent career. Who knew what was going to happen? But what I did know is that um, as long as I kept getting a little better, I would stick around. Even if I plateaued, you know, you stick around because you're you're learning and I understand what a plateau is. So I continue to kind of push. It's the same way here. I didn't, I had no I have no clue what the limit is now, right? Uh, I had no idea then. And and as far as I'm concerned, I haven't even reached a tipping point. Uh, if, if that if that thing exists where, like, a lot of people are like, no, and, and there's all kind of traffic coming in, and it's great. Uh, but what I'm always trying to do is just continue to, to use the way I started using it, which was which is to, to, to really give value. I mean, that's it. I try to give value. And once I realized that I could do that and, you know, every day you get at least one new person following you a day. Right. That might not sound like a lot, but but it's 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 it grows. It compounds. More people see you reach out to more people. You make more connections. My life is is a very different animal than it would be if I had never started using Twitter. Do you ever get look at the figures and think? I wish I got more or I wish I got less. Or do you ever look at the likes and things like that? Do you still do that kind of thing now at like hundred and odd thousand followers? Or whatever um, it is? <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of like, I'm aware of, of the kind of the rate. Like, like if, if all of a sudden one month I only get 500 followers, I think something like happened and it was, it was, it wasn't what was supposed to happen. All right. So, so I have expectations in that regard, but it's mostly just, you know, to make sure everything is working for like, for example, in, in January, uh, when everything was going on here in the country with, with Trump and Twitter and they were like going after accounts, I, my net growth that month was negative 2,200 followers, right? Jeez. That, 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 I'd never had negative <laughs> net growth before, let alone four-digit negative net growth. So I was like, okay, something's wrong, right? But, like, uh, other than that, like, I, you know, I, I know, you know, what we're doing, what we're, what, we're, what, what, what I'm trying to accomplish. But, no, I don't, I don't look at the metrics and use that for anything. I just go, oh, this would be cool to say or cool to talk about, and let's have a conversation. Let's put this idea out here. Let's connect with some people. Let's see what we can do. But the number, like, like I mean, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm not really – looking i mean they're like the last thing to do is like for them to recognize you know the other the other two big platforms have recognized that i'm like not just a regular person on, on the internet and they've verified me twitter is you know taking a sweet time <laughs> but that's like the last and after that i probably was like right, cool got this right <laughs> I, I it's refreshing to hear because i i think there's there's somewhere along the scale isn't there where you'll have like 10 followers 
and you care so much about getting 11 and 12 and 13 uh-huh. and then there's some kind of tipping point where you get to i don't know 2000 followers or something in a year you care less uh, I, I, oh, oh, absolutely. You know what's funny? Okay, so what you're talking about now is interesting. So so I just had a, like a product launch. And normally doing product launches, well, I won't say normally, it's like 50-50 uh, because I'm always talking about what I'm doing and, and promoting it. Then there's a net loss that week, right? Uh, that didn't happen. But for the first time, but but I didn't really care. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I got a got a hundred or forty thousand followers. I can lose some, whatever, right? <laughs> um but this but but it didn't happen this time, but I wasn't looking for it in, uh specifically because I just there were just so many. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna burn off some of them, let, me let them go. And and it never it never actually occurred, but I'm not that I don't worry about anymore. Like one hundred percent I can say that. I'm not looking to see, you know, let's get more followers. Like, no, if that if that occurs, that is really just a natural side effect. But it's always been that way, I guess. Uh the 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 followers the people who go, oh, I like you enough to where when I get on this platform, I like to see what you have to say. Yeah, that's um, it's a nice metric. But at the end of the day, and I hate to be this guy because I argue with these guys all the time. But at the end of the day, I can't spend followers like, <laughs> like you know, now, not the right now. I can leverage them for a lot of things that I, that I can spend or convert into to income. But, you know, that's a really important balance to keep in mind too, is that, is that ultimately like, you know, it, it would be like, like imagine this ridiculous scenario. Imagine I got the same follower account I got right now. I got 154,000 followers. Imagine that. But I'm about to wake up and go work an eight-hour job somewhere that I hate. Like people, be like how this happened? Like, like I'm not 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 trying to like go and do some research, some or or go and do what I love. But like, no, nah, I'm you know to make make ends meet. That would that would be incorrect. So like something went very wrong, and and that is one of the things that I make sure I keep in mind that I'm not just here to have a following the following makes the everything else possible absolutely but that's not the only you know that they're not the most important thing the most important thing at the end of the day is you know who's engaged and who likes who who believes in what i'm doing enough to exchange some revenue for it but i think what you've done right from the very beginning and you still do now and something that i tried to take into the way that i do twitter as well is that you're, you're you you're still at, right. uh, and I, I get to make a living being myself. Yeah, I, I yeah. like to, to to kind of brag about that, <laughs> but 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 you know you but you got to remember you know who who I am is very much the result of a, a life, right? I know that sounds obvious, but a, a life that any aspect by itself, a lot of people could probably get something out of. But because it all comes together in one person, you know, I can, I, and then there's, you know, personality. I understand that you have to be expressive. That's one thing I understood uh, immediately, even much to the, to the, uh, we'll say chagrin of, you know, kind of my, my manager and coach when I was fighting. They were like, you sure you want to talk about like uh, dealing with alcoholism? I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I definitely want to talk about it. You know, and they didn't, they didn't get it. Now they do. But like, uh, 
the ideas that whatever you've gone through, whatever you lived, if if you put it out there in a way that people can learn from it, you get to be yourself, you get to learn from the lesson, and you get to have a good time and make make money doing it. You know, you need to have if if you're going to do this influencer thing right now, and I really hate using that term uh, <laughs> to describe myself, but but I'm not arrogant enough to try and create a new word in our language to kind of describe what everyone has in mind already. If you're going to do anything like this whole personal brand influence thing, whatever, uh, the Ed Latimer school of thought is that you need to have actual value in your life, whether it be attained by uh, trial and tribulation or, you know, we'll say struggle and, and improvement. And you need to deliver that value and you need to have some business sense about it. Like, Business sense really is the difference between having. I know, look, I know God, the same guy I'm talking about, 30 some thousand followers. He got to work, man. That is, as far as I'm concerned, that is a mismanagement of your time and resources. If you, if you've put the energy into getting, uh, a five-figure following, and you have to work. And it's not stuff you want to do or something you want to school for. Like, you have to. That ain't right. You know, that means you waste time, you know, being a clown and not being, and not even really a good clown, you know, but uh, <laughs> but you weren't thinking in the long-term game. You weren't thinking, okay, this is me. This is what I got to put out there. This is what I got to do. Uh, let me make sure that I'm doing this in a way that people can learn and get something from it, and I'm not just agitating people, not just saying things for hot takes. Like, like I, you know, there, there are people out there who use the platform to do that as well, and I, I get it, right? Because at the end of the day, um, any business sense should be able to convert some of your followers to something. And if you get those followers because, because you're, you're a loud conservative voice, whatever, right? That's how you do it. That's not how I do it, but I get the game, you know? Uh, but I would say the best way to do it, you know, make, make sure that you got a valuable life. Um, and that value is going to be generally subjective, but specific, you know, will teach someone to do something that they don't, you know, learn or, or or allow them to think about things in a certain way. And then boom, you know, whatever, whatever makes sense for you to, to um, do with that to make money works. Like if you notice, um, or maybe not notice my, my, my primary products are about writing, right? They're not, I'm not really, I mean, I, I got, a, I got a course, I like course, I have a membership about, you know, dealing with bad habits, uh, particularly pornography, alcoholism, and, and other, other vice that you may have stumbled into. But my main revenue source, I'm ta- I'm teaching people how to write. I'm teaching them how to, you know, put together ideas the right way and make sure they're engaging. And that works because the proof is in the pudding. But uh, you, you see what I'm doing. You can see my blog and people go, okay, that guy knows what he's getting at. And for me, that's what that just, you know, that's what made the most sense. I said, okay, I didn't did this. I like teaching this. Let me flip a little business sense and turn it over here. I think everyone has the potential to do this who is who is not a complete a-hole. <laughs> whether, whether they do it or not is, is a totally different story. But I think everyone has the potential to. I, I think you touched on an important point there about, you know, the 30,000 follower guy versus you and the guy's not making, still have to work, having to work a job. And I often think about that and I look at what Twitter feels like it's becoming for, for me now. And the, the, the two things that I noticed between somebody who's making a success out of it, somebody like you, 
and somebody who, who might have 30k followers but isn't really doing anything from it often is two things one they're not sharing any life experience or personality or anything and two they're often the reason why they're not sharing that is because they're an anonymous account and i i, ju- I just think a lot of people don't agree with me especially when i've said this on twitter but i just think you it's so much more difficult to just make it as an anonymous person online when you can just put your name yeah. and your face to something and say look this is what i believe in this is me and you are stamping it and you've got skin in the game straight away and people get it i know i'm buying from ed latimore when i buy one of your products right you the, the no question whatsoever that that i am I am who I say I am. I, I just I yes. actually, you know, speaking of Twitter, I just put out a tweet about this yesterday. You know, the, the, there's a great peace of mind that comes with knowing uh, I'm never going to be revealed um, for being something that I'm not. Okay. So that means that everything I talk about, everything I say, if you go and look and do, you know, that's me. It's my name. It's my face. You can Google. I'm, I'm here, man. Like I'm, I'm the real deal. And, and people don't understand something. That, that what I tried to I tried to actually teach this that when you when you have your face there and and people can look and they they feel a connection with you being a person they're like that guy right there I I can work with him I know that he is who he says he is uh, at the very least I feel that way now. Anyone can like create a fake picture, but the idea is that, you know, between doing stuff like this, podcast shows, you know, putting pictures out of my life, uh, blog pieces, everything, you start to get an idea who I am. You feel like you want to support me and be on the team because of who, because of me, not, not necessarily because I have the best, uh, solution to your problem. Right. But because I have the, a solution to your problem, and that's a big difference. You don't need to be the best if you build a connection. Now, that's not an excuse for slacking off or creating a sub substandard work, but but it it is a it removes a burden because a lot of people think they you know perfection really is procrastination. But that idea, if you understand that idea, that removes that burden of procrastination of perfectionism that you place in yourself. And that it just allows you to create. And people, they're going to be like, okay, I'm, I want to learn from him because I've been following him. I think what he does is cool. I'm going to support there. People really do vote with their dollars. The, the, the key is, you know, are you even on the ballot? Do you have something to produce? Do you have something to show? Do you have something to make people? Do you have people? I remember when I first started my account. Um, Not first started, but, but right around there with my website and my um on my Twitter and Patreon was just coming out everything. I, I didn't have a book yet. And people started asking, yo, is there any way I can support you and what you do? People will ask that people want to support people. Like, like when, when, when you're doing well and you're helping people, that's actually my newsletter going out today. Uh, where, I'm, where I'm recounting the launch that I just had and how a lot of the help came from people who didn't even want to be affiliates. They were just like, yo, you know, let me retweet this. Let me shout you out on this, whatever. People want to support you if you're trying to do something solid. Like if you built yourself into a solid person, you got a good reputation, make quality products, you're not involved in a random online drama, you're not insulting people randomly. Gen- generally speaking, you around makes things better. At the very least, it doesn't make things worse. People want to see you do well, and they'll, they'll do what they can. 
Mm. I, I completely agree. That's the thing I always try to do. I always got a thing in my mind, work hard and be nice to people. They're not hard <laughs> things. Right. Not, That's it. Not hard things to do, but they're, they're things that when people jump on Twitter or YouTube, it's harder on YouTube. You usually have to show your face on YouTube. But when people jump on places like Twitter and, and they go anonymous, they become this different person, maybe intentionally. Uh, and and they, they forget some of those basic values of life, like work hard and be, and just be nice to people. It gets you so far just being... Absolutely. It, it forces you... Here's what putting your face... Uh, before I even say this, I think one of the worst things to happen to our interactions with people is the ability to assume a different avatar and face than than the one that we were born with and then speak with the mom we have though because uh your brain i don't think your brain distinguishes between this this person this bot whatever we'll just call it a bot even though it's probably a person and a real conversation that sees the words the same way and that leads to a certain level that that leads to like this low level antagonism i think a lot of people uh, are operating on social media with okay so you know we take that let's put that aside for a minute when you come and you put your face forward to who you are as you are you've got to make a few choices and i think these choices no matter what have a net positive whether that be somewhat of a net negative for you or somewhat of a net negative for the other person i think overall uh, the system gains the gains from this you have to be congruent this is the idea you have to be congruent with who you are because because right now right um ed Lattimore will leave his house and sometimes people know who i am uh, sometimes no one, most times no one knows who I am, right? But but there's always a chance someone knows who I am. I sell things, so people are supporting me with the dollars. So now I'm now I'm beholden to the to the shareholders. They say in business, right? I'm beholden to the shareholders, okay? And I would like to continue to get things done and have my life easier. So so I'm I'm thinking about the opportunity cost of being an a hole, right? But when you when you're an a hole online, you know you you really do mess up future opportunities and future things that could occur. So that forces me to do one of two things. I have to either talk about the worst case. I have to decide that I'm okay with losing some stuff Hmm. for the sake of being real. All right. They, they, as they say, be (laughs) keeping it real. I have to decide I'm okay with losing because I get to keep it real. And for some people, they didn't make that choice. Right. And and that's cool, but they're making it constantly, and they're making it from behind their face. So there's still a certain level of courage and respect, uh, courage that comes with that, and respect that's given to that. And and still, they they still behave. They may not behave in a uh, in the not necessarily a um, most cordial way to everyone, but there's still this kind of give and take respect because their face is there, and and whether they know it or not, or whether they think about it consciously or not. When they step out, when they interact, when they reach out, if so, someone can reach out and find them on the internet, whatever, it's who they are. So they either have to do that, right? Uh, or they their behavior carries a certain way being who they are uh, and interacting with people. You know, like I, I, I'll be the first to say, 
I behave at a much higher standard. I think, I think, I think social media has been a great tool for my personal development. I know not everyone is going to share that, that idea, but for me, being out there knowing I am who I am, right? Assuming every message I send is going to be screenshot, uh, probably has kept me from sending some stupid messages. And and then that elevates the other relationships I'm building, and we all go home happy. But either way, you get this honesty in the system. And I think the issue is not the, – the issue isn't people clashing. People always clash. The issue is – you're clashing with an effective kind of straw man, a representation of this thing. And that, that led that, that creates two problems that lets the, the person putting up the representation that lets them uh, just, just exaggerate sometimes for the sake of just for, for cruelty sake, like whatever, right. I'm going to be mean and mess with people. And I think we call these people trolls. Right. Mm. Uh, and then the other person has a problem because, because they're not really battling the idea. They're entering the argument, the discussion in good faith, but the other person isn't. And when you get someone who comes in with good faith and an argument that's not in good faith, no progress can be made. It's just this constant state of, of, of insanity. So if you, I, I, I think my personal opinion is, you know, one of the worst things is, is the ability to be, be anonymous and mingle with people who are, who are like not, I mean, if you look, if you want to be that way, you know, go, that would, that, that would be an ideal solution. One, one Twitter for the anonymous folk, one, one Twitter for people who aren't, but that'll never happen. So instead, you know, we just got to kind of manage and do what we have to deal with, but that, that's my perspective on that whole deal. Man, I I hundred percent agree. Um, because there's, I, I even experienced this a little bit myself when I, I was thinking, right, I wanna, I wanna make a new Twitter account and I wanna see how far I can grow it by being anonymous. And <laughs> as soon as I started choosing the the photo, so I chose a photo of Steve Jobs. It was gonna be um, the the account was about design. I called it a secret designer or something like that. And you know, as soon as I, I made the avatar and I made the name and it wasn't my name, I was already writing in a different way. It already wasn't me. And I I, I would already, I, I was already becoming somebody else. And I can see how easily, if I had an anonymous account, so, so, so probably the same for you, if I had an anonymous account, I could easily say whatever I wanted. And I would. Right because it's human nature. <laughs> um, so so I don't give myself that get out clause. I just put my right, face You on You get it that, that for whatever, at some point in time, I'd imagine relatively recently in history, we decided that the ability to say whatever we want is like some kind of unassailable right. Mm. And, and we, we are battling over this in many forms. But I'm not, you know, I I think, you know, this is just the opinion of Ed Lattimore, and then you know I break it down, defend it, whatever. <laughs> I I'll be the first person to defend freedom of speech in all in all realms, whether it be public, private, whatever. You say whatever you want. In the same breath, I'm going to defend freedom of reaction. Yes, isn't you know. You can come on and say whatever you want, but I should have the right to decide I don't want to be associated with you if you say that. Whenever people, I feel like when people make the argument about free speech, they they focus on 
the person being able to say whatever they want without consequence. And no time in history has that ever been a thing. In fact, this is probably the best time to be able to do that before you, you know, you say the wrong thing to the wrong person. You, you're meeting at high noon for a duel, man. And <laughs> that's how it, how it goes. But, but we want the ability to say whatever we want uh, or not. We, because I understand that there is a trade-off. Uh, most people want the ability to say whatever they want without, without a consequence. This argument is no different than, than the arguments they kind of, you know, we, we used to, we used to make about, uh, you know, should people rob you? No. Should you walk around the hood at night uh, with jewelry? No. Um, <laughs> no either. Well, where is it? Do you really, how badly do you want to walk around the hood at night with jewelry? If you want to understand there's a risk that comes with it. And we usually get that. But what they're, what they're trying to do is, is kind of remove one or the other. And, and I think well, taking this back to what we were saying about, uh, what having your face out there does, it makes you remember something that the rest of the world tries to get you to forget in, in different uh, formats. No matter how you align politically, it tries to get you to forget that there are consequences to doing things. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, that's so basic, <laughs> right? But that, that is effectively where the, where, where many of these arguments come back to about uh, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Say whatever you look. Look, what, what, I think there's a quote I, I put up. I put this quote I put up the other day from my EDME. He goes, "Freedom of speech, I can guarantee. A freedom after you speak, uh, not so much. <laughs> Don't know what's going to happen, right? Right? That's kind of the idea. Yeah, that's obviously, obviously not to the extreme of you being, you know, you calling somebody a duty head and they want to chop your head off, nothing like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, if if you say something crazy about somebody's family and they deck you, uh, right? Now, did you ask for it? Not exactly. Did you know something was going on? You know, you, know, you ever see Pulp Fiction? Yeah, that's uh, my favorite film. Okay, so at the beginning when when Vincent and Jules are talking, and he goes, you know, he didn't maybe he didn't expect to be thrown out of a window, but he had to expect every some reaction about giving 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 his wife a foot massage. Yeah, he had to expect some reaction, right? Maybe not getting thrown out of a window, but <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where we've got to, isn't it? Where and I think this is why being anonymous is so pernicious that. Being anonymous gives you, also gives your words anonymity and also feels like there's no consequences to what you say, even to the point where, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for freedom of speech, but freedom of reaction too, which means I can tell you that what you just said is bullshit and I'm going to tell you why it's, why it's wrong. And, right. and you might come back at me and not agree, but I don't just have to accept what you're saying just because you're saying it. We we have this, it's not just freedom of speech now, it's freedom of speech and also no retort as well to, to leave the stupidity there. The, 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 truth, the truth isn't a thing. I've heard it said post-truth society many, many times. Oh, goodness. And, and I think that's where we're at, isn't it? We're, we're at the point where I can say something absolutely stupid to you and if, if i'm th this particular kind of person i wouldn't even expect a reaction from you i think zuby on twitter does this really well he's constantly calling out people on, on twitter who say stupid things to him and they don't like it when he responds but that's also his right to respond 
right? Right. You know, they're, they're, it's one of my favorite things. It's this troll paradox. We call it the troll paradox. It's like, uh, okay, so uh, I said something to you, and let's say I insult you. I'm the troll. And you respond, oh, shouldn't you be bigger than that? Isn't that what you preach, right? Or if I don't respond, see, see, he, I told you it was true. If it wasn't, he would have said something back. So no matter what, you, you just, just got to make fun of these people at best, you know, or, or if you want to have fun, but you just, you just ignore them and, and block them. And that's that's unfortunate because I, I think – I talk about this all the time, and this might sound like it's it's a hard left, but it's I guarantee it's related. Uh, I talk all the time about you know, the evolution of of humanity and how uh, our forced evolution, you know, that's what takes millions of years and whatever. And and for the most part, because we've made our life so comfortable, when we've removed all selection pressures, really to the point where people who should be knocked off by Darwinism or surviving and reproducing. Like, like it's really easy to survive. Uh, you, you don't need any skill. You don't need any any toughness, any survival. Um, as Jesse Kelly says, uh, you're at any given moment, you're, most people are 15 minutes away from a glass of club, fresh drinkable water, and and that is a problem, right? Uh, it's not really a problem like to think about, but it is, right? So uh, the selection pressures are removed. What we have left now, we have a lot of uh, collective internal growth to handle as a species, and it ain't happening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like we can't even have a dialogue with one another about an idea, largely because of things like this, right? That we're talking about. So how are we going to make a collective, have a collective progress when two people, when both people, they, you know, uh, that we, we, we can't agree on ideals to strive towards and work towards and then have a conversation about those. When we decide that we're going to uh, penalize people for thinking differently which is something I've really got a big problem with. I mean, I don't, I don't talk about it too much because I don't want to get into arguments. But because, okay, right. So, so you know, the, there's the Twitter side of me. You see where I'm always, you know, giving value and stuff. But, but, I, but that is more or less I'm trying to make my presence and my time on the platform useful because it's still an ROI. There are a lot of ideas and things I think about in this regard because I see them to where when you have an idea and you say something, for example, uh, if, if you're against the narrative, in a lot of play, places and ways we see this, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't, is cancel culture a thing? Um, I, I think, I think when you call it cancel culture, you, you simplify it to the point of almost making it inaccurate, but there is a very real force. A better way to put it is that the narrative collectively lends one leans one way. And that one way has the force of, of government, uh, behind it, government and media behind it. And so if you disagree, they have the power to limit your earning power, which effectively cancels you. You know, the, the big thing I, I remember is the, uh, 
the woman from the Mandalorian, Gina Caruno, maybe I think if I got that name right, and she, you know she had her support for for Trump. Whatever you think about Trump is irrelevant. What is very relevant is that that was pressure to get her off the TV show. Two things completely unrelated. It's not like she she's interrupted lines talking about that, and so she leaves. And so so why does that occur? Uh, that occurs because we are a we we are just a we haven't been forced to deal with things we don't want to hear. And because we don't, we don't have any way to deal with that. We only, we, we respond very much in the way toddlers respond when they don't want to do something. They throw a temper tantrum. If the temper tantrum is loud enough, mommy responds, right? Sometimes you can ignore and it'll just go away. Uh, other times they're like, you got to do something. I think one, one thing, We've removed the places for this discourse, discourse to happen now. There almost isn't, you know, young people, don't go to, young people don't go to pubs and things like that and bars to have conversations, so there isn't a place for them to have this long-form long discourse. They, we, we're not only that, not only that, but the place where, we were, where you get a bunch of young people together now, the university system, uh, that is overwhelmingly overrun with a certain type of ideology, uh, at least in the softer, well, they're going to kill me for this, the people who study these things, but it, we'll, we'll say in the non-STEM fields, particularly the non-T and E, because it's not really, because that discussion doesn't come up, man. Either you can do the derivative and then make a circuit or you can't. Like, it's not really a, a question of your beliefs and thoughts, but in every other area, whether it be from history, language, literature, sociology, even psychology, you know, the list goes on. We can nothing's been proven so everything is kind of up to interpretation if someone decides to go that route Mm. i was reading this wonderful article that talked about uh the the seeds of revolution in different countries right when whenever so and whether that revolution is good or bad most revolutions usually lead to something similar just not (laughs) run by um a single entity, but now different entities. You know, we saw this in the French Revolution into the Reign of Terror and the Russian Revolution into um, uh, Lenin, right? You know, those things, right? Uh, but the idea, they said something really interesting that, that I've never been able to stop thinking about, which is that these reforms, it's never by the engineers or the working class that they push these reforms. They become tools eventually, but these reforms come from people, the the, the art the artists and the intelligentsia that they, they call, because these are people with a subjective view of reality where there's not really these hard kind of uh, standards applied to what is done. Like, 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 you know, I know if I make something to a machinist standard, right? Like a piece of equipment, but my piece of art is subjective and I can, and if, and if I take that lens of reality, that, that, that lens of reality, that, even though you can objectively look and see if like I use proper grammar, but you can't judge the quality of my art just, you know, because it's my creation and I start applying that in mass society. Yeah. Then all of a sudden um, I start seeing this, the actual standards that we have is, is kind of fluid and, and non-existent. And if you can get enough people to believe it, uh, 
<laughs> then 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 you get then you get people to take action and and what I'm what I'm dancing around here because I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the the, the level of distribution and censorship is uh, on the platform that you put your podcast up on but but we we can see this very much today in in a lot of the things that are portrayed about gender we 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 worked very long very really like we we understand chromosomes and what those lead to that's that no one can change that objective scientific facts so what do you do you work on the interpretation of it and then you bend reality that way and the Talib talks about this and 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 i think it's skin of the game where he talks about the intolerant minority about how if you get a small group of really intolerant people they have the power to overthrow a much larger group of tolerant people because of their standard and their ideas and the idea used was you know when you when you eat halal like everything in the building has to be halal compared to kosher we're like you know just give my plate of kosher food and i'm good right so the halal ends up uh every place around has to be halal even though the, you know it's it's a minority and you can get the same idea and you you see this you know where it's where most people go okay x x y or x x right and then some people come on well there's this that and the other all these different kinds of genders and then because the, that's a small minority and we forget that it's a small group most people don't think that way but we have the internet and it makes them and it makes the idea louder and seem louder and all of a sudden you're kind of forced to like even now i'm having this conversation no one can cancel me but even i'm i'm kind of wary right <laughs> how i talk about it mm-hmm. yeah i i know what you mean and i think to I mean, there's there's a lot of things to this, but w- one of the things, the internet as a, as a wider thing has precipitated many, many changes across lots of different things, and we can't even begin to unravel what's happened since it went public in, in like 94, 95 or whatever, and the the accelerated change that it's caused in society over that time is just... Oh, yeah. Uh, some things that we're even thinking about right now, there's going to be knock-on effects that we're not even considering. And a really good book I read about this recently is Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. The The book is actually about television, so about how television's ruined everything. Um, but a lot of what he talks about in that book can be applied to the internet. And I think what, what, it, what it's really done what we're really talking about is this really this idea to some extent of one limitless potential and two limitless avatars. So it comes back, (laughs) come back to the idea. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Come back to the idea of being anonymous again. We now, if you're born today, if you imagine you were born today and within two or three years, if you're lucky, you're going to be making an avatar of some kind and you're going to be making it on some kind of app or a video game or something like that. And and then for the first 10 or 15 years of your life, you're going to be making lots of these different avatars and you're going to be trying to work out who you are and, and what you want to say to the world. And whilst you're trying to work this out, you're watching YouTube and Twitter and, and they're all pushing things to you in different... In, oh, man. <laughs> and, and, and then when you get to... When you get to like... How old are you now? I'm 36. 36. So I'm 33. So 
we we both remember the time before the internet we were both right f- which is weird man like like, <laughs> like this thing uh there so, was a time before the look I, I, this is crazy like my tv i'm looking at my tv right now and and i don't get a signal i get it's wired into the internet and there's yeah. all these things that i can like watch that are dependent on my internet connection like that 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 blows my mind but so. but but we remember so it was 10 or 12 i wrote about this recently i think i was 11 when i first got the internet and that was the first time i got a computer so i'd gone all all the way through up to at least 10 or 11 where computers weren't even a thing really for me i just went out with my friends hung out you know had fun chatted all that kind of thing i wasn't influenced by algorithms or avatars or any of that kind of thing but now in the most formative years of our lives we get to be whoever we want to be at any time we want to be it. And I, with no, with no consequences as well. No. And, and there is, there is some, you know, dude, I, I think about this a lot too. And, and we're really lucky. We're, we're, we're so lucky. I used to say I was lucky because I was a millennial. Right. And, and that was mostly because, you know, we got one foot in the past, one foot in the present or in the future, really. And and we're the perfect bridge, especially if you're born between like 83 and 90. Like that is a great time to be born because most of your childhood was without the Internet. Then your development years was with this stuff. And now, like, like I mean, that dude, you should see me. I'm like a like you pluck me from the 1900s when I look at some of this technology and I'm just in awe of it still, even though it's been around for, for this point, a little, little, well, not quite half my life, but, but almost, but one of the things, um, there's a great thing I was reading about how these kids are showing up with as freshmen and it started really big, uh, like 2012 ish, what like three to four times the rate and more of mental of like depression and anxiety, and this was across all college campuses. And what the hypothesis was is that, right, we get to be, I'm going to put that in air quotes for people, you know, if the audio can't see, we get to be whoever we want. We get to assume the avatar. We get to, um, well, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Or I guess another way, we get to assume this avatar and then we get to, we get to kind of read the rewards of whatever life we want vicariously you know video games give us this this sense that we are progressing and leveling up and conquering pornography gives us this sense that we've got an attractive partner and our brains can't really tell the difference until it's forced to interact with the real world the real brick and mortar you can't pass the walls put a cheat code in uh, or download a new new face whatever world okay and you go, holy heck, there is like, like, this is hard and this is stressful. The other world was easy and, and I prefer that world, but I got to live in this one. What am I going to do? And it makes you so, unpre- it makes you so unprepared. Like, like I've talked to one of the, what part, part of what I, I do on Twitter, you know, I'm always talking to guys. And a lot of times when I talk to somebody who's 26, 27 is a guy who feels behind on life and I hear his attitude and approach. I got to remember this guy's 10 years younger than me. And that means he's got a very different relationship with, with every, like, what, what, are the, what are the things that guys want? They want to be, you know, they, they want to be like Jack's condo. They want girls and they want money. Well, 
they never had to, for example, when we grew up, you know, when you had to, when you wanted to talk to a girl, you would call in our house. And then you were talking to probably the parent and then they were handing it off. And if, the, if they had any kind of sense of, you know, they had some type of monitoring set up, whether it be listening on the phone or whatever, having some type of, of a hard time that you couldn't call the house without getting cussed out. But now it's just sliding a DM. No one gets the, the, the approach. You have to deal with that approach. Um, and the risk of being shot down and kind of the natural growing process pain that comes with that. You couldn't just go, you know, jack off your days away to, to Pornhub or something because that stuff didn't even exist, right? If you wanted to watch porn, you had to, like, go to one of them shady stores and get them big-ass boxes that, like, were way bigger than, like, a normal VHS tape right not something you downloaded and you would sit there and you had to deal with it so so the the cost wasn't worth the value so you just didn't do it now you got just fires up his computer and and there's there's tons of variety there's nothing left uh to force naturally uh, a young person to shed that digital avatar and and become something in the real world, and it is scary because a lot you look at a lot of the debates that you. I mean, maybe not you. I don't know, but but sometimes I have a lot of arguments, and I'll l- listen to the points made or some of the things they say, and I'm like, "You're not 25, are you?" And it's not because they <laughs> sound stupid. They sound like they came up in an era where you didn't have to like speak politely to someone. You know, well, my girl was telling me because she used to work in university. That how crazy is this? Here's how world. Here's how fast the world changes. They don't know how to use email because why would they use email? They don't. They don't know how to write emails because why would you check email where you can just send a text or message somebody on IG or Facebook? That like, isn't that crazy? That was yeah. the thing that was like new, yeah. and they and they were already done with it. <laughs> it is. It, it is. It's. It's really crazy. I, I think one of the biggest things, I guess, that all this allows is is the speed, and with the speed comes, you know, technology changes really quickly. New apps come out every day. Um, you can build a, a following on Instagram when you're 15 years old to a million people, and you think yep. the entire world loves you. All of that, all of that stuff does is it it makes. It just makes difficulty not a thing. That nothing is difficult, basically, in terms of physically difficult, like going and lifting no. weights, going and lifting <laughs> weights, doing jujitsu, doing boxing, like what you did. None, none of it, none of the things that they face, even meeting people, they can use Tinder or, or whatever. Everything that people face, none of it is difficult. There's no extra steps. There's no learning. There's no craft to any of it. There's no, and 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 what I for, before all of that, right? There's no pain. Yeah. There's the you know it, we need to experience um, pain. I really believe that. Whether it be the the pain of failure, right? That's one kind of pain. The pain of disappointment. The pain of of just training and working and pushing yourself past the limit that you thought you had to get better to improve. No matter what, you got to experience this discomfort. 
You know, it's like I like when people, you know, the the big discomfort everyone used to avoid. Oh, cardio! I don't want to run, right? Whatever. But but one thing is one of the great things about boxing is like I, I kind of just learned to love it because that wasn't going anywhere. So I had to I had to figure out how to embrace a difficult thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are these 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 challenges that people put themselves through put themselves through, and each. To, to improve, to overcome said challenge, you have to be genuinely uncomfortable. You should probably question if you'll make it through and and be successful. And I think that's how you build you, you build a lot of things that makes a person pleasant to be around. Uh, in that yeah. case, you know, humility, reverence, hard work, uh, but manners, manners, because, because you know, you, you have bad manners enough in person, you, they get corrected one way or the other, right? Uh, all of these things occur, but now we don't have to face any of that difficulty. We uh, get to sidestep it. Yeah. I and can, still be and still be functional, still be cool, still have a good, still have a good. You know, the the way the world, the way a lot of kids live now, if it wasn't for the internet, we would just call them losers back in the day. Mm. <laughs> you know, but now it's now it's normal. You play video games, watch porn, don't really talk to anybody outside. You know, um, and then you know, there, there's a bunch of other stuff that that comes with that. You don't work out, right? Yeah. Now I'm not working on it. Some weird badge of honor. I don't understand that. Okay, so th- that's just me being silly. I don't know if it's badge of honor. What I do know is that in the United States, that 78% of people are either overweight or obese, and they're not all jacked. So to be a you know, accurate in this sense, or at least useful enough to where if we were, if we if we adjust it for people who just have a lot of muscle, we probably would still be above 70%. And you can see that when you look around. Like like if I was looking around and everybody was in shape and jacked, I'd be like, oh, we need to change this, but it's still right. So so in other words, like this is just more people are doing this, so it becomes more acceptable. Mm. I think we're on the way to some kind of social revolution, and I think we'll see it in our <laughs> lifetimes. I, I, I think, and I've heard. I, it. I like to counter this because uh, people say this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you my, I'm gonna give you my my reasoning uh, why I don't think there'll be a social revolution, um, at least anytime soon, if there is ever one. So, for revolution to happen, there has to be discomfort, right? Uh, the closest we got to anything that would look like a revolution was in the summer of 2020. And what did they do? What, what was that like here? Well, they got rid of sports, they got rid of jobs, and they had people locked down, and that pissed a lot of people off. Normally, they're the the bread and circus, the Romans again, you know, they they called it right. There was the sports. There's your your internet. There's your media, right? There's all kinds of things to keep you from going, man, it's just not that bad. It could be better, but it ain't that bad. Generally speaking, I think revolutions are are the fruits of a really rough life, a really rough situation. Uh, and you see this even still the, the, when revolutions occur or, or attempted revolutions occur. Uh, my first thought was like Venezuela and how things were going down there. But um it's the same idea. But what would happen? It was so bad. They were eating. I mean, it's still kind of bad. Well, still bad. Not even kind of. They were eating dogs, man. Like, you know, <laughs> because what are you going to do when there's no food? I, I don't think that's going to come at least nowhere in the Western world because it's really comfortable. It is incredibly comfortable. I so, so this is the way I see it. 
So maybe revolution is the wrong word. Maybe um, a change of thinking. A quite a lot of people will start to think like this, and then ultimately it will lead, probably not to a revolution, but something changing. And I've heard quite a few people talk about this now, and it, and this this is why I think it's going to happen at some point. This idea of moving back towards all of these things we've we've just been talking about, the things that we know for a fact because it's the way we've always been. We we know you know almost a level of conservatism. I don't mean that in a a political sense. I mean that wow. in a literal sense of returning back to uh, analog things, reading books instead of Kindles, um, right? Reducing the amount of time you're on the internet and going for a walk instead, having conversations in real life. All of these kind of little, kind of almost conservative, quite you know ideas that are, are just pure in some way they're pure and I, I think what we'll see is is these generations that have come behind us these last couple of generations we'll see them hunting for the things that we already had and they'll finally come to people like ed and i and they'll, they'll be well what have they got what did they do different and then right. we, we'll have been because well, that that's true because at the end of the day you know uh, I used to I used to joke way before the, it, how cheap and easy things are. I used to joke that all you needed to be the, to be the man was like was your own place, Netflix and some box wine, and and that's not that far off, no. but that is not fulfilling. No, and and when when and you know, like you said that I do think will happen. I think it will see collectively um younger as they get older go why am i not fulfilled why does this feel empty why am i on this treadmill uh, what am i missing in life and then looking to people who do not have that issue you know and realizing oh that's what i'm missing i'm missing challenge i'm missing purpose i'm missing uh, responsibility and seeing all that and going, okay, well, I'm not too old. Let me go chase these things. Let me fix these things. Let me let me try and make my time on this planet a little better. I I, I agree with you there. I, I do think that will occur. Whether it occurs in mass, that's probably where we where we would differ. But I I do think there will be a growing number of a. Uh, this 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 is gonna sound funky mathematically, you know, in terms of wording, but but you know what I mean. I think there will be a growing minority of of people who who realize that the gig they've been sold about the life of convenience is is just a false promise, and to go seek out a life of challenge and difficulty. I I think it's just because you feel it. You just feel it in your heart, don't you? You feel it in your soul. Yeah. You feel that that there is something missing, and it's already been a, a mini revolution. I, I, you know, I use the word revolution loosely on on TikTok. So you think of TikTok, you think it's just full of asinine content that is not somewhere you'd ever want to go. There, there's a, a selection of TikTok that's getting quite big called Book Talk, which is people sharing books that they've read, sometimes reading a book for the first time 
and share huh. and sharing things about the book, like a book club almost, but on TikTok. And that's a small, tiny pocket of a huge social media network that is kind of looking towards a little bit of a an analog revolution almost, a, a, an, an offline thing. Yeah, but, right. But, and that, that's kind of where it has to go. Uh, because because this, I mean, I, I'll be once again. I'm I'm the first person, kind of by nature of what I do, and how I make my living. I'm very um, involved on the internet, but I'm I'm coming from it. You ever see the Matrix and and or in particular the Matrix Reloaded, and they go meet. They finally meet. You know the people who live in Zion. Mm. And a lot of them, uh, they were never, the, what's the big thing? That they were never in the matrix. They don't know what it's like. They were born free humans, okay? I think a lot of us, certainly born before, born before 1980, 1990, a lot of us born before 1990, we're like free. We, we, we spent a lot of our time on this planet uh, without a lot of these gadgets and convenience. And then they came and these people, um, they don't know any other world. I, I said to somebody today uh, that that a, a crazy thought for you to think about anybody under the age of 20 wasn't even born when 9-11 happened. In the United States, that's one out of five people. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole, just to show you how much time's progressed and how, much, how, how often things change or whatever, how quickly things change. Um, so these people, they don't, they don't know another world, but they'll be able to, but they still interact with us and they'll see something. And you know, the smart ones, I think, you know, we'll seek out and ask, you know, how do I, how do I get some, and on top of that, here's another very hopeful thing. There are a lot of parents now, um, and they're going to raise their kids, right? Cause they, cause they see it and they, they talk about it and they know it and, and they are trying to avoid the weakness and the lack of character and, and the more or less for lack of a, well, for lack of a, a, a more nuanced uh, phrase, the degeneracy. And I mean that in the pure sense of the word is in uh, things have degenerated across uh, the board. They're trying to avoid that uh, in their children and they grew up and they see kind of why and they get it. And I think that's a really hopeful uh, point as well. So to finish it off, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Short of us just getting rid of knocking all the satellites out the air, <laughs> which I wouldn't want to happen anyway. Um, so, so okay, this is, this is where um, my optimism turns to realism, and sometimes people interpret that as pessimism, okay? So I think that there will always, and there kind of always has been, uh, a, an 80-20 distribution of society. Maybe not those numbers exactly, but the point is a minority of developed, grown, uh, advanced, enlightened people and a majority who are not, mm -hmm. right? The problem is, or rather the difference between this time period and all the other time periods is that in this time period, the the we'll call them the proles uh, from from you know 1984. <laughs> That's just like the, the best word I had. Uh, the proles, um, 
they all got a voice kind of equal, if not louder than than the people who are, you know, kind of enlightened and, and figured things out. So it seems worse than it really is. I, I, I do think that now I'm back on my optimism. I think I think things seem worse than they really are because a loud negative voice just gets more attention. But that doesn't mean it does a lot. It's like it's like um it's like an empty wood block. It can't really hurt you if it hits you, but you know, you hit it and the, the clanking is really loud, the sound it makes. All right. But uh moving forward, I just think that what the 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 trade-off, I guess the benefit of having all this connectivity is that when you want a mentor, you it's very easy to get a mentor now. It's very easy to reach out and learn and improve your life. And I think a lot of people, I think the human, uh, human nature is to kind of strive towards, uh, and satisfy its curiosity. And I think now that those tools are, are available for people to do that. I think it's really easy to get distracted, like, like, like incredibly easy to distract it. You know, I always joke, we, we, we got the knowledge of Alexandria in our hands and we use it to look up cat videos and porn. Like that's kind of, um, where we go, but the people who do decide to use it to look up and learn things, then, you know, change the world, change their life. Uh, most of the people that are going to take the route that most of the people have always taken, which is of least resistance. So the, to answer your question, we don't really fix it. Um, <laughs> we, we just, we just make sure that for those who do want to do more and be more that we're available and it's very easy to connect. Cause you can't, you you can't make somebody want to be better. That that's one thing that that we we continue to learn. You can't make someone want more, but if someone wants more, there's not really much you can do to stop them. So much better to get in, to to help them and and bring them along. Perfect, perfect way to end. <laughs> yeah, this was you know what was cool. Uh, what I really like about this interview, and uh, I, I've done quite a lot, so this isn't just me, you know, blowing smoke up your ass or anything. <laughs> uh, one thing I really like about this interview is that it was it was very much about thought and, yeah. and conversation. A conversation. You know, we didn't, you know, um, we didn't like dive into like me talking about my boxing or school or drinking. Like we we went about we talked about a bunch of other stuff, and I thought that was really cool. Because most of the podcasts, people want to hear my story occasionally. This, I mean, this is very like this is very similar to the Harbinger podcast. He, yeah. but he dove into kind of who I was a little more. Yeah, I well, I, I listened to the Harbinger podcast. He he said everything that needs to be said about your history. Right? There's there's no point in me asking you those questions. Plus, I I have a theory as well that podcasts are going to continue to get more and more popular. And because people are looking to listen to conversations, because as I said, people don't listen to conversations or have them anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. It, I, you know, our, our job to some extent, me and you and any other time, is to just have a normal conversation, man. <laughs> to, to actually sit down and chat about some stuff that might or might not matter. But that's what people really want to listen to, I feel. They want to just hear two people have a conversation. Anybody can yeah. go go look up your history. Any anybody knows what you've done or what you didn't do or what happened, or they can go listen to another podcast. But what I what I think makes a podcast really special is having the opportunity to sit down with somebody 
who is interesting and just have a conversation with them for an hour rather than doing the other shit yeah dude, that, that was cool i read the, the great great idea um really appreciate this cheers for that man <laughs>